This is Guarding Your Nest Egg Podcast. My most treasured part of today's show will be me putting you in the hot seat with a tough question about a controversial investing topic. Oh, hot seat. Okay. Sounds great, Kristen. (laughs) Can't wait. In the meantime, if you've got questions about anything discussed on today's show or something that we don't get to, maybe it's your 401k and you don't know how to do a rollover or if you should, whatever it is regarding your investments, catch up with us day or night, even set up a comprehensive financial plan by visiting guardingyournestegg.com. But this market volatility continuing and this recession fears growing have a lot of folks feeling anxious. According to the industry website layoffs.fyi, last year tech companies cut more than 150,000 workers. And so far this year, Amazon said they'll be cutting over 18,000 jobs, Salesforce about 10% of their over 70,000 workers. Plus there's rumors other companies are going to follow suit. But here's where I get confused, Mike, and I think our listeners do, too. Okay. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says payroll employment increased by 223,000 in December, and the unemployment rate edged down to 3.5%. So does all of this mean that a recession is now less likely because jobs numbers look good? Well, we've been talking about this for a while. I mean, I think we've been in a recession for quite a while. Things have been slowing down. I mean, our listeners know this, but maybe if it's your first time listening, recessions typically, they'll tell us that we were in one after we've been in it, maybe for six months or a year. And so uh, likely we've been in a recession for a long time. We have been talking about it for a while, but you have to take a look at numbers when they say, well, tech companies cut more than 150,000 workers. Well, they were probably overweight workers, right? And employees, there was a lot of growth there. If you look at the NASDAQ, which is very technology heavy, the NASDAQ has had a really, really hard time. Companies like Tesla, Amazon, Apple, you know, technology companies are having a hard time and they're starting to do layoffs. So it's just because a sector of the economy was maybe overweight and doing extremely well, and they're laying off employees, it doesn't necessarily mean that when you compare it to all of the other industries that are out there. The one that comes to mind for me in particular, Kristen, uh, would be hospitality, Mm -hmm. right? So as we come out of recession and the hospitality industry, things like hotels and restaurants and airlines and and, and all of this, it, it makes sense that maybe there's some balance there. And that even though technology is cutting workers, I think they're being added in other places. So I'm not surprised to see that the payroll employment increased by 223,000 in December, just based on what was going on. Again, December, that could be holiday workers. We got to keep an eye on it. True. But another point would be, and that employment had edged down. I don't think that gets us out of the woods on a recession. You know, I'm very practical. And as you said earlier, my glass is always half full. I'm a silver lining kind of person, but moving into 2023, it looks like a slowdown. And to me, the market is still overbought. And I know a lot of our listeners are, maybe they're dealing with a financial advisor that's just telling them to hang in there. Well, hang in there to me probably means you're going to lose money in the first quarter. There are alternative investments out there. Again, not annuities. It's not what we do. Uh, There are plenty of other alternative investments that can provide protection and help you grow your money without doing things like structured notes, maybe even cash. Kristen, here's the thing. Advisors are overcomplicating stuff. Right now, if you just move to treasuries, again, if you look at treasury bills or Mm -hmm. treasury notes, again, these are just guaranteed short-term investments. 
you're in the three to 4% range. I mean, you, you should be asking yourself, do I want to hope that markets are better? And, and when I say short term, let's just think first quarter. Let's not even get to June, July. Let's just say first, maybe second quarter. Do you want to sweat this out and hope the market goes up? Or would you rather just take a pause, get three to four, maybe four and a half percent on your money and a guaranteed investment that's short term through treasuries. Too many advisors aren't explaining to their clients that there are alternatives to either I own stocks or I have cash or either I own stocks or I own bonds. Active management means you're not only actively managing portfolios for clients, but you're also explaining to what all of their investment options are. So I wouldn't be in cash necessarily, but I would look at treasuries. I probably wouldn't look at CDs, although the rates are pretty good with banks and stuff like that. But there's a lock-in period. So I think a lot is going to change between now and, say, June in the year. I think we might see this, this market bottom between now mm. and June. I don't know that the economy is going to bottom between now and then. But if it's me and, again, talking to our clients – we're positioned in portfolios that are likely to do well if markets do poorly, because we believe the stock market will do poorly. But at the same time, I'm not going to just leave cash in cash. I'm going to get a pretty good interest rate on short-term fixed investments, but I'm not going to commit to something long-term because I do think towards summertime, getting into the second, third, fourth quarter, there's going to be some opportunities in this market. And people ask me all the time, what does active management look like? Well, it doesn't look like me telling you to hang in there and don't worry because we built a diversified portfolio for you. It doesn't look like you come in and sit down with us and we say, well, hey, listen, why don't you move half your portfolio over to an annuity because it's going to provide you with guaranteed income for the rest of your life. That's a topic for another segment of our radio show. It looks like sitting down doing an analysis of your portfolio, finding out what you want to accomplish, what's important to you. Let's find out what rate of return you need to be successful in retirement. Let's find out if that's even doable with where you're at. I mean, if you come into us and your expectations are higher than we feel like we could provide you, then we're going to tell you, hey, listen, this is not going to be a successful financial plan for you because the odds of failure, meaning you not being able to maintain your standard of living throughout retirement adjusted for taxes and inflation is probably not going to happen. But if we take a look at it and, and your expectations are reasonable, you've done a great job of setting money aside for retirement, you've done a good job of keeping your expenses low, and we can put together a plan that's going to work, whether you live to 85 or 95 or 105, I think that's pretty powerful. And, and that's what we're putting in writing for our listeners, when they come in and they want to find out what we're about, come kick the tires. Well, we'll do the analysis and the comprehensive financial plan. But also, once you're a client, we're doing these reviews, whether it's every six months, whether it's annually. We'll go back, we'll update these financial plans. We're doing all of that complimentary. And the basis of it is we're a fiduciary fee-only advisor. So if you're doing well, we're doing well. So yes, we're charging you a fee to manage your portfolio. But if we aren't showing you higher returns than you can get on your own net of fees, and if we aren't doing that at less risk than you'd be taking on your own, frankly, we're not providing any value. So all we're really doing is just inviting people to come find out whether or not we can provide value. If we can, you might want to work with us. If we can't, you're going to walk out of our office with a written financial plan, and you can take that to your current financial advisor if you want to. You listening are part of a generation most likely that 
Yeah, talk is one thing. Taking action is another. And that's what Mike is offering to do with the team at Talon Wealth with that complimentary comprehensive financial plan. Find out more at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike, when I hear you explain the process at Talon the way you just did, and then I think about your family, little Finn. He's very into gardening right now. I called you the <laughs> other day. and You're making me feel a little guilty here, Kristen. I have four children. It's just that Finn is the six-year-old, so not that he's our favorite. It's just he's the one who says the cutest things. Yeah. The older ones say things that are um, <laughs> annoying and irritating. and Because and they've got a mind of their own. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a mind of their own, and it makes me want to put them in timeout. Right? But, I can't even do that, but yes. But yeah. Finn, he still says really cute things, so go ahead. And yeah. I love it when he sits in the studio with us and pipes in on the radio sometime, by the way. But we should get a gardening update from him soon. All that to say... You talk about we do well when our clients do well. That's being a fiduciary, and that also just makes sense. Isn't that the way any kind of partnership or agreement should be, is that we're mutually in this together? I mean, Finn's got to eat and going to need braces one day is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> what are you saying about his teeth, Kristen? Well, okay, they're not all in yet, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did need his two front teeth for Christmas. He got That's one right. of them. The other one, we're hoping it comes in, but um <laughs> We talk all the time on the radio, Kristen. I've been in this industry for a long time. Friends and family have seen it progress over a long time. The industry, and the industry, I mean, just financial services, for a very, very long time, it was very much transactional, right? So mm -hmm. in the 80s, somebody had a broker, and on that transaction, you paid a commission. In the 90s, it, it turned into sort of you know, mutual funds. A lot of people still have mutual funds in portfolios. I won't name names when it comes to companies, but a lot of companies still promote mutual funds. But that's kind of a kind of a nineties, yeah, early two thousand. It's kind of old fashioned. It was an investment product. When we got away from stockbrokers, we got into paying. It was called a load, so you're just paying a fee to get into a mutual fund. And then you were again told to hang in there because you had a diversified portfolio of mutual funds. And then, you know, the big part of it was technology, Kristen, and technology makes things easier. It makes it easier to trade, uh, means there aren't as many people that need to be employed to do paperwork. That means efficiencies come into place. And as efficiencies come into place, we got into trading online and, mm -hmm. and we knew who the original online brokers were. And then we got into what are called exchange traded funds or no load funds. And then we got into working with a fee-only advisor as opposed to an advisor that charges you a fee or a commission to get into something. And as it's evolved, what I love about our business is, yes, we don't charge commissions for trades. We don't make money trading positions. We don't sell products like mutual funds with loads or annuities with commissions. We have a vested interest in our clients doing well. We're literally a partner in the retirement. And mm -hmm. it's because I am an investment advisor. I am a fiduciary. But if I wasn't and I was hiring someone to manage my money for me, I wouldn't want them to sell me a product, Kristen. I would want them to sit down and do their best for me. And if they do well, I do well. So that's the reason for the relationship with our clients. And unfortunately, it's too rare in our industry. Too many people are selling products. But if you want to sit down and talk to a fiduciary who's not going to sell you a product, we're going to do a financial plan. If you listening today have heard Guarding Your Nest Egg before, then you're familiar with mine and Mike's antics, and you've likely been aware that Mike is not a fan of annuities. In fact, Mike, you've even said... I thought you were going to say, 
watching football with uh, <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anyone. I mean, like live, I'll play it. But yeah, I don't know. I thought you're going to give me it. That, see, we joke around about sports all the time. Yes. And I love sports. I love playing sports. Not watching. Um, it. I could care less about what's on the television. And so that's one of the many differences that we have, my friend. Yes. Uh, somehow you're tailgating every weekend and I'm, yep. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but something you are very passionate about is something that you've said on this show many times. I wouldn't sell my mother an annuity. And if somebody's looking out for your best interest, they wouldn't sell you one either. You've been working in the investing world for over 20 years. And I'm mm. not going to talk about your mama yeah. because that's not polite. And I like your mama a whole lot. Much talk less about Sandy. Sandy, she's probably listening. That's yes, Helen. I would never. Got, Sandy we got knows Sandy, we got, we got Helen, we got Bob. Yeah. All thankful for those people raising you right. But mm. you wouldn't sell your mama an annuity. But I do have an awkward question. Have you, Mike Lester, ever suggested an annuity for someone's retirement? And I ask that because you talked about the evolution of investing earlier, and you've been doing this for over two decades. I think for me, and I'll get personal, the idea of being a hypocrite mm -hmm. really, really bothers me. And I see so many hypocrites in life, and I see so many hypocrites in business. And I worry that if, or when we say, you know, listen, I'm not going to sell an annuity, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It bothers me, I guess, inside that that potentially could be construed as a hypocritical statement. And I'll tell you, our competitors, you know, some of them know me for a long time. Some haven't known me for very long. And some of them just say, don't like you without knowing Some of them just don't like me at all. But <laughs> they would say, well, hey, I, you know, that guy's been around for a long time. I mean, I, I remember back when, mm -hmm. you know, he was doing this and he was doing that. And the point is like, well, I remember back when he was selling annuities. I remember back yeah. when, you know, that was a part of his business. So, yeah, at one point in time, it was a part of our business to go way, way back. I mean, the, the first job I had in this industry, and it goes back to... 98, 99, it was uh, for an insurance company. And Wait, the idea there- that's annuities. Yeah. Well, it's, it was a lot. I okay. mean, part of it was annuities, but the idea was, I mean, annuities, life insurance, Medicare supplements. And I still think it was a good place for, you know, early 20 year old to kind of get started and rolling. But I evolved out of that business. I thought, you know, listen, this company is just, I mean, they just want me to, pick up the phone and call people and try to go visit with them and sell product. And then so it evolved into the next step, which was, well, if you want me to sell a product, then I'm going to not sell a product for one company. I want to sell, I want to be able to sell a product for all companies, right? I want mm -hmm. the best product for my client. And then, so I, you know, at the time I felt like, well, I'm really helping people because I'm not just selling for right. one company. I'm going to, you know, look at all of them and I'll get the best product, not just one product. And then that evolved into, I, for lack of a better word, I mean, competing. I mean, it was literally competing with other financial advisors that were able to be financial advisors. They were basically stockbrokers. It was still transactional, but they were able to do things that I wasn't able to do. I said, well, listen, I, I looked at it and went, you know what they're offering in some cases, frankly, a lot of cases is better than what I could offer. Hmm. So then I went out and I became a broker, right? So, uh, a stockbroker. So I could, you I were could one do, of those I could, too. I could, I could wow. Yeah. So I, I, I went and I did that and it was still transactional, right? Okay. I was still getting, you know, either, uh, you know, a commission or a load or something, but the whole business was very, very transactional. And so every time I sat down with somebody, the premise was, you have a situation, I have a product, 
the sales process, and this is what it, so many of our listeners are dealing with when they're talking to a salesperson, the sales process was, I'm going to try to find a problem mm-hmm. in your current situation, and then I'm going to try to find a solution to it by providing with a product, right? So here's the product that fixes your problem. Okay. And if I can convince you that my product fixes your problem, and if I can get you to sign on the dotted line, you know, then I'll get a commission. Mm-hmm. And, and I was pretty good at it. And it's easy to talk to people. I was confident in the products. And at the time, my competition was other people selling products. But then it continued to evolve. And I wanted to continue to grow. And then I met other people that weren't selling products. Hmm. I just, I don't like the word sales, right? My least favorite thing to do is to go buy a car. Oh, gosh. Because, Who you know, doesn't you, feel you, that way? <laughs> well, you can see him wringing their hands when you pull in the parking lot. A mile away, they like, can smell it. Right. And then their hand comes out and nothing against car salespeople, right? I've got uh, good friends that sell cars. It's just, I would never want to be in that business. And I didn't want to be that person. And and a part of it's just upbringing. So I I learned over time, you know, I could be a fiduciary, right? I I could be a person who provides solutions. I don't have to charge a commission. I don't have to charge a transaction fee. When my clients do well, I do well. You know, this isn't how the industry worked forever. It's um, become more common in the past 10 years than it has been historically. So that's just what I gravitated to, right? I I really wanted to get away from, I have a product, you have a problem. I have your solution. Let me try to convince you how great my product is. And we've evolved into, let's have a conversation about your situation. We do active management. I can't promise you every week or every month or every year is going to be good. But if we can help you get higher average rates of return, reduce your fees, not charge you any commissions or transaction fees. If we can have a relationship moving forward where if you do well, I do well, that's where I'm most comfortable. And frankly, I don't understand why anybody out there is trying to sell product because I've made it through that sales process, right? Mm -hmm. I did sell annuities at a point in time. Kristen, I can't do it. Not now. Not now. You know better. It's like Wizard of Oz. I mean, I pulled the curtain back. I mean, I know what's behind the curtain. I cannot sit down with someone and go, knowing what I know, put you in an annuity. Because if I showed you every other option available, I know you wouldn't make that decision. And the advisors that are promoting annuities, and a lot of them I know are on radio, a lot of them I know are on TV, a lot of them I know are doing seminars. Mm -hmm. Frankly, Kristen, most of them know what I know. They've just chosen to like, nope. I want the commission. Not to evolve like you did. Well, they've chosen not to evolve, but it's just, it's even darker than that. They want the commission. They mm-hmm. want the fancy trip yeah. that the insurance company gives them at the I've end of the year. I've heard about those. They want all this kind of stuff. To me, it's just not ethical to do. Again, here we are. We're doing this show. And if you're out there selling annuities and if you're promoting them as the best option available to a retiree and you're not sharing every investment option that's available to your client, we're coming for you and mm. you better be able to defend it because when your prospective client or your client comes and talks to us, we're going to show them every option. And Kristen, unfortunately, that's going to be a problem for them. And that's all I got to say about it. Okay. So I put you in the hot seat and you got hot. That's what just I did get high. It makes me hot. <laughs> Makes me hot, and I'm I am angry, but I'm gonna. But that's passion, Mike, because you started in the industry. Okay, yeah, let's try it this way, and you evolved and saw. Wait a minute, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. 
I feel bad about what I did based on what I didn't know, and now I want to change it by helping other people. Join the conversation now at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Talon Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Talon Private Wealth and this station are not affiliated. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Discussions and answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized advice, but are limited to the dissemination of general information. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or advisory services. Be sure to consult with a tax professional before implementing any investment strategy. Florida license number D056341. California license number 0N00828.